0: Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach Personal Finance. This is George Grunbacher and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Phil Cubetta. Phil is the Wallace Chair in Philanthropy at the American College of Financial Services. He has a master's degree in financial services. He is a chartered life underwriter, chartered financial consultant, accredited estate planner, chartered advisor in philanthropy. He also holds advanced degrees in philosophy, psychology, and literature. Very excited to have you on. Phil, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Okay. Well, I am
1: married. I've got two grown children. My wife was a high school teacher for a long time, taught literature. Uh, I've got one grandchild who was just born at their first Christmas. so oh, that was kind of an exciting time. Nice. Yep. Uh, I am currently, as you said, the Wallace Chair in Philanthropy Mark College. In that role, I educate financial advisors and also nonprofit gift planners or fundraisers in how to work better with people who have uh, an impulse or desire to be more generous I've been doing that for about the last 10 years
0: excellent nice so for people who are I guess let me let me take a step back how do you counsel people somebody who said you know what and and this is probably not too many people who have never thought about doing any kind of charitable giving or philanthropy how do you counsel people to get started because I have no idea how many charitable organizations that there are but i'm sure that there are countless so how do you get started how do you evaluate
1: well there are about one million two hundred okay <laughs> or so non so there if you were to go down the list starting with a uh you'd be a long time getting to the bottom of it i think the truth is that almost all of us are givers already uh, i think almost everybody uh, is giving to several organizations it might be their house of worship it might be their schools it might be a hospital where somebody in the family was born or died who was well taken care of uh, most of us are rooted in a community and most of us are giving back to that community in one way shape or form I think when you start uh, reflecting on your giving you kind of go to different levels but I think that, I think it's important to say right from the very beginning that this does not appeal to people unless they already have an impulse to give. And generally, it's already been expressed somewhat automatically, uh, almost like paying a bill or recognizing an obligation. But I'll bet uh, if your listeners ask uh, themselves, you know, how many organizations you are giving to already, it's probably a fairly large number. It may not be a lot of dollars per organization, but I'll bet they're already supporting quite a few places.
0: Yeah, that's, that's probably, probably a pretty good point. You just think about things you do in, in your everyday life, from buying Girl Scout cookies or giving to the Salvation Army around the holiday time, certainly coming off of, a, of, of the holidays, and like, like you mentioned, religious organizations, so you're right, there's probably very few mm-hmm. people that actually aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a, an overall philosophy on philanthropy?
1: Well, I, I guess I probably do, but I think the most important thing is to recognize so do you and so do your listeners. And each of us is different. And I think where this really becomes most effective and most impactful and most satisfying is when you begin to get in touch with what your philosophy is, your philosophy of giving, and really for that matter, your philosophy of living. Who are you? Uh, what kind of person do you want to be in what kind of world? It's that kind of question, I think that really triggers a reflection and it's out of that kind of reflection that you're giving can, can become more expressive and more impactful. But I think it really does begin with you trying to figure out who you are trying to be and how giving fits into that. Who You're trying to be as a citizen, as a human being, as a member of a particular community, as a person of a particular faith, as somebody with a particular history, as a child, as a parent, as a grandchild, as a grandparent, uh, it's reflecting on that that I think really um, yields the, the greatest fruit
0: and that that definitely makes sense and i think that engaging in in contemplation or self-reflection um is probably beneficial at for for every aspect of 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 your life um so you thought start thinking about okay how do i want is it how, how do i want to be engaged with my community how how do i want my community to perceive me um right. is, is is it all those things are there specific for, things yeah. i should be thinking about
1: well, I think there is a a focus on yourself and your family and your history. And that's really where people tend to begin, you know, me, myself, uh, and my family, and my community. And then it becomes a little bit more reflective. And you begin to think, okay, so yeah, I am giving to a large number of nonprofits and I've been doing for a number of years, but what do I have to show for it? Uh, what what have they accomplished with that money and could could i have been more impactful if i'd been a little bit more strategic now part of that depends on you having enough money to to be more strategic so it's typically people who have been giving for a while and who have more, you know as time goes by have more money to give who begin to get to a, a level where they're really trying to achieve something specific as opposed to uh, expressing for example expressing gratitude or expressing family values or setting an example for kids But as you begin to get a little bit more uh, wherewithal in your giving, you can begin to ask questions like, you know, what is my vision of a better world or a better community? Uh, What are the conditions that are needed to realize that better world? What are the obstacles? And what parts of that vision are realistic and what parts of it aren't realistic and what kind of a plan or strategy do I have in mind to make that happen? When you begin to think more like that, you begin to think more like a philanthropist or a strategic philanthropist. But I also want to honor the many, many people, the majority of people who never in a position to quite go to that level, but who are faithful givers and who are giving back in meaningful ways with their money, their time, their volunteering, their talent, because that really is the lifeblood of the community.
0: It strikes me, I completely agree, it strikes me that there's probably not a right answer to the question because, or perhaps there is, maybe it depends on, on the individual person. If I'm giving money to to a really large organization that's, that's doing work overseas or outside of my community versus I'm giving money directly to a local nonprofit organization and I can see the work happening, right. do you find that people place more value on one or find that they're having more more impact one way or another?
1: I think something to explore uh, is when you think about self, family, community, okay, so you know who you are, you're married, maybe you have children, maybe you have parents and grandparents who are still alive. So there's a sense of uh, who you are as a person, as a family. But if you were asked to define the community or communities you're a part of, it really is a pretty interesting question, because it could be a community around your college, and that might be a, a university that is national or international. It can be a community around, you know, your gender or your ethnicity or your family's history, the country you came from, immigrated uh, em- from. It can be a religious community that's international. So what does community mean to you? When you get to talk about we, you know, we being more than just your family, who's included in your we? And for some people that will be international and others will be national. others will be quite local.
0: What a, what a great way to think about it and a great way to look at it, to find the communities that you're really active in. What is we? I, I, mm-hmm. I, I love that. Okay. That's very valuable. Who do, you,
1: who, who do you identify with and where does your identity come from? And if you have a chance to explore that with somebody, it really is pretty interesting. You know, for some people, they happen to live where they live because they were transferred there by their company and they've lived mm-hmm. there three months in an apartment and they have no connections whatsoever. But they strongly identify maybe with their business school or their med school or their college or their religious organization.
0: It's, it, it like that's a thing that to be very interesting I live in Phoenix Arizona and there's a lot of people that have moved here from other places right. so their right. we is still Chicago or <laughs> yeah
1: exactly and it makes it difficult for fundraisers in those communities because uh, the people they're talking to with the right age and stage to be more generous may not yet identify with Phoenix.
0: Right. Yeah, I think that probably does does certainly present unique challenges. Have Have you seen? Has Has the industry seen? And I don't want to refer to philanthropy as an industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's right. appropriate or not. <laughs>
1: yeah, sure, sure.
0: Has Has it seen changes via social media? Has Has that had a positive impact or 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 negative? By your uh, By well, your thoughts. I
1: think I think it's a good question. I think it could, you were maybe you're, you were triggered by thinking about you know who do you consider to be your tribe mm-hmm. and there was a time when that was very often your local community your neighborhood your house of worship you know the institutions that have touched you locally i think increasingly with the internet when people think about their tribe it may be people they've met online and it may be their followers their friends so i think i think this sense of community has changed i think there's no doubt about that uh, and probably to the, to the detriment to some degree of, of nonprofits that have a more traditional sense of identity. Uh, but as a result, also new ways of giving, you know, giving online. Uh, you know, and I think the, the media has made us more aware of what's happening all around the country and all around the world. And so there's a tendency to want to respond to, you know, very significant needs that you become aware of they are not local.
0: Got it. So being intentional about about your giving, as we talked at the top, there's probably right. a lot of places that, that, that you're currently giving, but maybe it's not necessarily the most intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've heard over time, and now, now I'm, I'm going to space what the organization is, that they actually give a score to certain nonprofit organizations. And I think some right. organizations get a bad reputation because they have right. a large overhead. Right. What are your right. thoughts on that?
1: Well, I, I, let me see if I can convey this from, from different perspectives. Yeah, You can see the reason for it. If you're trying to give effectively and you're giving with your head and you're giving it to some degree uh, almost the way you would shop, if you know what I mean, you shop for an investment, shop for a new car, shop for a new handbag, we're really quite used to there being rating agencies. If you don't know something and somebody face to face and you haven't known them for twenty years, you're asking yourself, you know is this legitimate? Are they getting good results? and you you really kind of want a third party to be rating them, almost like you know a good housekeeping seal of approval or consumer reports or investment reports. So there is a need for that. There are a number of there are many, many organizations that will provide you with ratings of charities. Uh, it, to me personally, it feels a little bit cerebral. It feels a little bit unemotional and detached, and I think of giving as as being more passionate and more engaged than that. But I can understand the impulse behind it. Uh, I'll give you just another kind of semi-humorous take on it. Uh, you know, I've been married for gosh, you know, a long time, you know, decades, forty years, fifty years. <laughs> I forget how long, you know. Um, and you know, I realize that there are places you can go online and get all the women within a hundred miles of you rated for your next date, you know, tonight, tomorrow morning for lunch or whatever. And I can see a place for that shopping around for the best, but I think there's also room for loyalty and fidelity and being true. And I'm not personally in the market to shop around for the best possible woman because I found her, you know, 50 years ago. Right. I'm in the market to be better father, grandfather, um, husband, and I think a large part of the giving in your audience is if they were to reflect on it, it is probably more like fidelity and loyalty than it is like shopping around most of the time. And I wouldn't be ashamed of it. I think there's something to be said for being loyal. And even within the organizations you're giving to, even if it's a lot of money, ask yourself how you could have a greater impact within the organizations with which you're already active. And it might be more money. It might be board service, it might be volunteering, it might be connecting a fundraiser to another prospect. You know, and it could very well just be volunteering on the front lines, but doing what would be helpful to that organization for you to have a more strategic impact.
0: Yeah, I think that's excellent advice. How does, does the industry separate out gifts of time versus gifts of money? Both are extremely important. How does, how does the industry view that?
1: Well, you know, there, are, there actually have been studies done of just how generous people are with their time as well as their money, and they put a price tag to that. It, it is in the billions, if not trillions. I mean, what Americans volunteer is very significant, uh, and it is a big part of the social sector. I think nonprofits, too, as they're looking at their assets, uh, if you look, for example, if you serve on a board, uh, which is sort of the highest level of service you can provide. Some people are on the board primarily because they have money or can connect the nonprofit to money. But others are on the board because they have a good business sense or want to invest a lot of time. So time volunteering really in some ways is the essence of the nonprofit sector or the voluntary sector. You're doing things with nonprofits because you believe in it. You're doing it voluntarily rather than because you're, you know, because you're paid. So money is a part of it. But I think it really is – I'd have to say the word that keeps going through my mind is love. No love of something larger than yourself larger than your family at the certain extreme it's patriotism but it's love of your community love of your no. the organizations you're a part of a sense of gratitude it's that current of caring that gets expressed with giving but also with volunteering.
0: I love current of caring I think that that's that's an incredible phrase right there. Um, how do you counsel people on uh, on involving children in, in, in philanthropy? Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it, it's really an interesting and important topic, and I have two children who turned out very well, so I've got, you know, zero regrets about how they turned out, nice but work. I do, you know, I'm lucky, <laughs> but I have you a know, great wife, but I do uh, feel like I missed some opportunities that I could maybe pass on to other people who have younger kids. I've not got a great, you know, new grandbaby, so I have a chance to try again. But I, right. I think most of us know intuitively, instinctively, and strongly that we do not want our children to be selfish. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. it may be that the economy runs on self-interest, but we know the kids should learn to share, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) The kids should learn to be generous. We absolutely know it as parents. We don't want our little kids to be jerks and want them to grow up to be jerks. But how do you model generosity? You know, to to think about that just a little bit and instill it when they're young enough to be influenced because you don't have that much time, you know, there's a below age one they're probably too little they don't talk yet right. <laughs> but when they hit 13 14 15 they're off on their own mm-hmm. you know they're much harder to influence at 12 13 15 so there's little window of opportunity to, to work with the rising generation and just a, a few tips and this is some of these come from wealthy families who have learned these things uh, over generations but when you as a parent or a grandkid give a child a little bit of money for Christmas or the holidays and whether it's $10 I don't know whatever it might be think about dividing it up into three pieces and maybe put them in three separate jars you know this piece is for you to spend on yourself it's a gift enjoy it this piece is to save until later do you see something important you want to buy and this third piece is to give where would you know you can save it for giving later but give some thought to where you want to give so, that three part, sometimes it's called a three part allowance, a three part piggy bank, it teaches people money is not just about you, it's about doing th- good things with it for other people. So, I think that's a really good tip. And I think there's another one that goes right with it. Um, you know, if you're sitting with a, a young child or grandchild and they're watching TV or they're on the internet, they may be stopped cold by the suffering they see. You know, there's been a typhoon, there's been a hurricane, there's been a wildfire. And they see people who are homeless. They see little kids who've been hurt. And you can see in your child's eyes that they are concerned and they feel helpless. And I think a really good tip is to say to the child, look for the helpers. Let's look for the helpers. Who is helping in this situation? And then you go through a kind of an exercise of finding the nonprofit that's helpful and then you make a decision with a child, would they like to give some of the money from their piggy bank that was for helping? And maybe the parent could match some of that. But I think that's a marvelous way to take something negative and turn it into a positive for a little kid. Volunteering at the holidays, doing some kind of volunteering or vacation together with the focus is on helping other people would be another one. And as they get older, you can begin to think about can you model giving? And it can be done really simply. You could take the amount of giving that you and your, if you're married, your spouse have been doing. So you know you gave $10 here and $50 there and so forth. You could sit with your children who were maybe eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, and say, we would like to give each of you a share of the family giving budget to direct. So let's say you both have X number of dollars. We'd like you to make a proposal as to where that gift can best be made, do some research, we're gonna give it together. So for the kids, it's a lot of money. For you, it may not be, but for the kid it is. And each of you are gonna get whatever the dollar amount is. Let's say it's $100 each or $1,000, whatever it might be. But if you agree on where you wanna give, there's another $100 you can give together. And what that's teaching them is not only giving, but family feeling and uh, collaboration. Particularly if your kids are going to inherit money, that's really, really important that they learn to uh, recognize that they have certain assets in common if they're going to uh, inherit a vacation house or a trust fund or something like that. But just building a sense of solidarity in the family. So we each give a little chunk, but we give more together.
0: Oh, that is a lot of great stuff right there. Lots of great stuff. stuff
1: yeah, I really wish I had known it, you know. <laughs> but I'm, I'm known now because I'm a professor and I study it. Sure. But I realized, boy, this is not expensive. There's nothing that's going to cost anything, really. No. But it, it, there's such great lessons that can be learned by the kid, and those lessons will stay with you a lifetime.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. That's great, practical, great, practical, and actionable, usable stuff right there. Excellent. Well, Phil, you've already given us several, but Savage Nation is ready for your (laughs) difference-making tip. What do you have for them?
1: Okay, well, I would say, since we're talking here a little bit about financial planning as well, I think I would suggest that you think about how you're working with your money and how you're working with your advisors, if you have financial advisors, and help the advisors be aware of the things you care about so they can help you plan for them because advisors will not help you to plan for generosity unless you let them know. They don't even know to do that. But if this, some of this stuff seems important to you and you'd like to know how to give more, how to give more effectively or how to involve children across generations and how, to, how this could affect your estate planning, I think – it's important that you be proactive because you're probably more generous than most people and your, your advisors will not know how to counsel you on that unless you bring it to them and, and raise the topic and drive it to some extent. So be proactive in working with advisors.
0: Well, that is definitely great stuff. It <laughs> certainly gets a come on. Come on. And, Phil, thank you so much for coming on today. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you?
1: I teach a program called the Chartered Advisor in Philanthropy, and you could Google Chartered Advisor in Philanthropy, or you could find it on theamericancollege.edu.
0: Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Phil your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Check him out and check out the work he's doing at the American College, and I will list that in the notes of the show. Thank you again, Phil. Thank you.